0: Last time on Trials of the Apocalypse.
1: The name of this threat is the Lady in White. The question and or opportunity that you have, how can we get the Lady in White to pass on to the next world? And the resolution to that is then during the nighttime, you'd be able to resolve the threat by performing a quieting ritual. So the clue that you have is fog on the foothills road, but not from the river. Uh, The clue is just a small grave in an unusual place. There's a newspaper clipping from 1866 and it's titled Man's Second Runaway Bride. Sitting inside the palm of his hand is a ring. There is a dented silver ring with a pearl in it. She points at this circled date on this old calendar. You don't know the month, you don't know the year, but it's the 17th. The three of you, Marshall, Lorelai, Brother Gideon, are just pulling up as the sun is starting to descend, its final descent behind the horizon line. Angel Flynn has been standing here watching this cart set up. There's a boxy wagon, huge wheels, canvas roof, various signs, tables folding out with tinctures and bottles, and somebody who's clearing their throat, clearly preparing some sort of speech. <coughs> 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 Jebediah F. Clarkson's ghost be gone. All-purpose spectral repellent guaranteed. It's the end of the day when the sun starts going down. that The dust really starts rolling in. Today it's been brought along by the big, heavy wheels of a large cart. It's a boxy wagon with a canvas roof. Drop-down canvas on its sides, creating little awnings. It stops in the middle of the main roadway, the main thoroughfare of El Paso. Each of you... After your various errands and investigations have arrived back at town at this point, if you were gone, or in, I think, Angel's case, because I think you were the only one who stuck around town, you've finished your errand at the general store, your investigation of the newspaper clippings there, and you're also here on the street with the others. I'm imagining this is happening right outside of Angel's Bar, the Golden Sun Cup. We are in the middle of town. This, this place is hopping, And it feels like... Maybe a whole third, maybe even half the town are out here right now to investigate what's going on. Because this cart has has come to a rolling stop, and immediately uh, a young man hops out and starts pulling down the canvas sides, creating these awnings for people to get under, take shelter from the final hot rays of day. A young boy hops out of the front. He stands up a big sign that says, Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson. And underneath, in golden letters reflecting the last rays of sunlight of day, it says, Ghost be gone. Oh, no. Uh, And he he pulls out uh, a small bugle, which he plays a little ditty on a little announcement. (laughs) Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson's ghost be gone! All-purpose spectral repellent guaranteed! And he says this a couple of times. He, he cries this out and the crowd begins to grow larger and larger. He sets out bottles on these little tables that have folded out from the wagon. And people have taken shelter under its canvas curtains. As they get closer to hear what all of this fuss is about... And as the crowd has sort of gathered to its peak, a set of stairs flip out from the back of the wagon, and stepping regally off it is an older man in a smart black pinstripe suit and a gray top hat. He walks down these rear stairs, he's got a cane in hand, does a little jump hop down onto the ground, the dust billows up from where his feet strike it, and the young boy who appears to be helping him uh, grabs a literal soap box and drags it over for him to stand on before this crowd. So he's a good head and shoulders above the group when he announces. (coughs) Uh, Greetings to the town of El Paso brothers, sisters, I'm here to announce the arrival of reinforcements to help combat the curse of the Wounded Knight. He makes eye contact with each one of you hunters Mm. uh, and looks meaningfully, it seems, into the eyes of the citizens of the town of El Paso as well. I am offering you today a tried, true, tested, honest to goodness ghost repellent. (laughs) And the crowd, they... They've gone from just sort of like attending for the pageantry to you hear like whispered voices of like, could it be true? Could it be true? What does he have? What are those bottles full of? Oh, why am I talking like this? Uh, And (laughs) It's hushed tones. We get it. They're all describing this. And as the crowd is murmuring this, as the crowd is murmuring their interest, there's a great gust of wind that blows down the roadway, whipping up the dust. People are clutching their hats, clutching their skirts, doing everything they can to deal with this blow, this dust, this wind. And the man, the the older man, Dr. Clarkson, he seems unfazed, but I think he does, like, maybe reach up a hand to the tip, the brim of his hat to keep it on his head, his cane in hand. And he strikes the ground in front of him. And with a whisper, with a moan, with a howl, uh, the ground seemingly fissures and... With green and blue hues, a specter emerges. A ghost materializes from the ground in front of the wagon between Dr. Clarkson and the crowd. And it's at this point that I have a few questions for the hunters. So first off, who has the highest sensitivity? Uh, I think that's probably Lorelei, but she has, you have a plus two. Mm-hmm. Then first, for Lorelei, it was a real ghost. How do you know?
2: Because I took them earlier that week.
1: Interesting. Okay. So the, the, the person who this ghost is died earlier this week. You took them. Um, who were they? You can, hold, you can hold on to that for now if you want. Yeah. But I like that answer. You took them earlier this week. Okay.
2: I like that I'm the one with the highest sensitivity, so I get these answers. <laughs> I get to answer those questions
1: because... It makes sense for death to have a knowledge of such things. So, Dr. Clarkson, after striking the ground, I think the crowd backs off. Uh, I think several of the people who were already off their... You know, were sort of rocked by the wind that blew through. They cower, and a few of them make efforts to, to even flee. The crowd starts to disperse. And Dr. Clarkson loudly says, Ah! Dear citizens, dear citizens, we have a better solution than just running away. And Dr. Clarkson strikes the ground again in front of him. And when he does so, the boy uh, who's attending to him rushes over and offers up to him uh, a bottle from the tables behind him. It is kind of an ickory black liquid. And he shakes it vigorously, pops the cork and then takes a swig from it. And as he does so, the ghost in front of him, almost as if it's like heating up, it glows brighter and brighter. And then like a bulb going out, it fizzles and fades. Its spectral screams drowned out by the townsfolk, who now, having seen this display of power, in their their hushed voices of interest, have now become a clamor As people begin to rush forward, smiling, laughing, pointing, there are children who have come and, like, are inspecting the the place where the ground is a little bit cracked in front of the wagon now. And people start crowding the table, like, going to buy bottles of this by the arm load, right? Dr. Clarkson, as supplies start to immediately dwindle, says... Uh, now, now, don't don't you worry none. Uh, we might run out here today, but there's there's more more to be had where that comes from. More to be had where that comes from. Um, who has the highest reason? I have one. Gideon. Oh, Gideon's got zero. Zero. All right. All right. Lorelai. Zero. Zero. Marshall. Zero. Zero. Okay. To Angel then. How do you know the ghost was putting on an act?
2: Oh, thank God!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got it because Angel has dispensed with ghosts in the past Mm. and knows that this is not how they go into the next world.
1: Oh, this is not how they go into that good night. Exactly. Okay. How? Well, then I'll, I'll ask you. Or again, we could save it for later. But how? How do they go into that good night?
0: They actually glow a little with a warm white light before they uh, disperse into particles that are swept up by the wind.
1: Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so this, this doesn't, didn't look remotely like what you're used to seeing. Okay. Uh, to the hunter with the highest composure, um, I think in this case, since we've already had answers from Lorelei and Angel, uh, Gideon, what's your composure? Zero. Zero? Marshall? Two. Two, all right. Oh, there you go. Sorry to get in that Now to the Marshall. <laughs> uh, how do you know the ghost is somehow bound to Dr. Clarkson and would kill him if given the chance? Can I make
3: assumptions about Dr. Clarkson? You or can, is that not allowed? You can answer this however threat. you'd
1: like. We'll integrate it.
3: I think Dr. Clarkson is some sort of medium that creates packs with souls that have recently departed Ooh. and sort of like a Davy Jones type situation from Pirates of the Caribbean. They're in his servitude for an extended period of time. How do you know that? Because I've seen other mediums do things similar to this that we've dispatched previously okay Good answer
1: so you've seen other people wield this sort of power
3: yeah or se- something similar anyway
1: okay we'll hold, we'll hold off on any more questions there i like that I like that as that is all right that's that's all we have of the the painting questions for now. Don't worry, there will be more questions later, uh, brother Gideon, but
2: okay, but can I ask a
1: question? yeah, do you have a question?
2: I do have a question yeah. Was the spirit in real pain?
1: No. It is very true that the ghost was putting on an act. Okay. Just
2: deciding how hard I had to go flip tables. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. It, Angel's pissed.
1: <laughs> so, this throng of people are all vying for the bottles here, the limited supplies as they last Uh, Dr. Clarkson doesn't appear to be managing any of the business end of that immediately himself. He's just crying out over the crowd while this boy seems to be like taking people's money, handing out bottles, really just doing most of the work there. And while this is all happening, Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson cries out above the crowd. (laughs) That, That is right, brothers and sisters of El Paso, true help. (laughs) has arrived I am a professional with the cure to trouble all that ails you Ah, you now and you see him point directly at brother Gideon you now uh, a member of the vaunted vigilance committee (laughs) now citizens amateurs do their best (laughs) but come here my dear fellow and learn something so you're finally of use to these good people the committee has an opportunity to learn from Dr. Clarkson. Easy now. One at a time. One at a time. He, uh... He seems to be calling you out. Brother Gideon.
4: I have a better idea. How about we simply skip to the end of this ridiculous farce? You can make your claims of superiority. You may rest well assured to be the claims. You perform some further chicanery to demonstrate your superior power as you peddle this snake oil
1: chicanery snake oil why um, brother Gideon you saw for yourself
4: I did say we should skip to the end please this part is rote and frankly tiresome
1: well <laughs> I'll tell you these people hes fine citizens of the city of El Paso. They will not be tired tonight as they get a thorough, safe, secure night's sleep against all that might walk in this wounded night. And that won't be because of some efforts from your (laughs) vigilance committee, but it'll be because of these, and he takes his cane and taps on the side of one of the bottles, these fine bottles here and the security that they procure.
2: I'll take a closer look.
1: Lorelai, do you step forward?
2: Yeah, I'll put, I'll, uh, still gloved. Uh, put a hand on Gideon's shoulder. Kind of step out from behind him. Still gloved on one hand.
1: Oh, we have another interested party. You all saw it here first. (laughs) The committee taking an opportunity, learning a little something. Well, come forward, come forward. See our wares. (laughs) Share them with your town folk. It's
2: like stairs up to the... To the thing, or is he on a soapbox? He's on a soapbox. Okay, how big is the soapbox?
1: It's, uh, it puts him, like, head and shoulders above the crowd. It's probably a good, like, two-foot-tall soapbox. Okay. And he's wearing heels.
2: He's wearing heels? Yes. He Not, like,
1: pumps. He's wearing, like, chunky riding heels.
2: Okay. Know. I'm trying to figure out if I, like, get up on the soapbox with him, or if I...
1: No, no, he's gesturing for you to, to take a look at the bottles. There's, like, only a handful of bottles left.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take one. I'll I'll look it over.
1: Uh, well, you go to touch one, and as you go to touch one, uh, the boy steps between you and the bottles, and he goes, uh, that, "Excuse me, um, that that will be buck
4: Jesus Christ, a dollar fifty,
1: buck fifty, and eight, gonna... eight... You you can't put a price on safety in these trying times. We're going to
2: look at at him. Look at the boy. Yeah. Then look at Jebediah. Then look at the boy. Then look over at Gideon and Marshall Jefferson Stockley and Angel and mouth to them. Is that a lot?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Angel will step up and be, well, charging that kind of price. When we prove that this is all snake oil, as my colleague has mentioned... Are you planning on refunding all of the good people of El Paso's money?
1: <laughs> Again, y- you say, Sniggle citizens, I can promise you there is no element of a snake in these bottles whatsoever.
0: In fact, I I really can't understand why we're not arresting you right now for having summoned a spirit in the middle of town, in the middle of a crowd.
1: Having summoned a spirit? Back, butchover! This allegation I have dispelled a spirit that has been called forth by that bullet hole in the sky that now, you call a moon.
2: Now now, now now. She's going to pat his arm with her ungloved hand.
1: With her ungloved hand? Okay.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I
1: that escalated.
2: He has offered us an opportunity to learn. An opportunity to see a new technique. I see no reason to not to vet this more. More properly, before we decide on anything.
1: Well, I have reserved. <clears throat> and he reaches into his coat, and he pulls out four bottles of Ghost Be Gone. I, I want, to, I want to describe, these bottles are like, probably half the size of a soda bottle. Um, like, a, like one of those tall-necked glass ones. They're, they're narrow, he can hold, they do sort of spread out in a fan in his hand when he holds them like that. But he can hold four fairly comfortably in a hand. Again, for a buck fifty, which I will say, uh, I just did some googling to to say that's like in the forty dollar range a bottle in in modern monies.
2: That is kind of a lot. It's kind of a
1: lot. He he swishes it around and you see this this sort of brackish liquid swish, and he Gross. holds them out and he says, "Well, I've I reserved uh, reserved you all a sample, but uh, it it does not come cheaply. This is a very expensive substance to manufacture."
2: Hmm. How is it manufactured?
1: Oh, well, that is, Yzette says, let's a trade secret.
2: Over your dead body, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'll share the secret with you over my dead body.
0: <laughs> Above table, we'll hold you to that. It's
2: a surprise tool that will help
0: us Uh,
1: On that note, uh, will you refresh everyone real quick, Lorelai, on the consequences of you touching someone?
2: Oh. I have a condition that can never be cleared. Death touch. Any side character that makes contact with your bare skin will die right now or later today unless you actively try to prevent their death. If you uh, mean for them to die, the Keeper can declare they are protected by the wounded knight and shall instead live. If they do so, the side character's survival becomes a clue or a mastermind clue.
1: Yeah. So, he presents these bottles. Uh, do one of you pay him and accept them? Or do you reject his offer of...
2: Is he making us pay full price? Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Now, now, Lorelai, you might not even be carrying that kind of cash on you.
2: Well, considering I don't know how much is a lot, I don't know that Lorelai carries any money.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Lorelai particularly engages with commerce. I would say the person most likely to have the cash would probably be Angel, actually. Angel does run uh, the most hoppin' small business in the area. Or the Marshal. Well, the Marshal could have some money socked away.
0: I say the marshal arrests him and confiscates them as evidence.
3: I'm contemplating it.
2: At the very least, I think you should threaten that.
3: You know, that's a fair... Plus, that would be a role. That would be a, that would be a role. Do you want to do, do that? I think I want to do that. Well, now, as... As the duly appointed lawman of this town, I do believe we will be foregoing your need of payment for these vials, and instead we will be taking those four vials off your hands, and I will be carting you to the jail as you do not have a permit to be selling wares out here at this time of
1: evening. Now, 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 uh, Marshal. Now, firstly, I will point to the sun, and you can see that we're still very much in business hours. Uh, dwindling as they may be, and sir. <laughs> Marshal, uh, Jefferson Stockley. Marshal
3: Jefferson Stockley. Yes.
1: Well, <clears throat>
3: Marshal Stockley, Marshal Jefferson Stockley to you, sir. Marshal
1: Jefferson Stockley. <laughs> I can assure you. And he reaches into the other side of his coat. Uh, and this time he pulls out a document. He hands it to you. It is signed and sealed with, uh, the, uh, the seal of the city council. I have, a. Uh, all of the permits that my operation requires. The city council was of course overjoyed to welcome one of my expertise and skills to offer these wares, offer this tincture, this solution to your ghost problem. He gestures. There's like a, a couple with some kids. Uh, they're clutching their bottles of Ghost Be Gone in their hands. They're like talking excitedly about like how oh we can go home and like be safe tonight. We can, we'll tuck you in. It'll be it'll be lovely, and like they're like walking by as this happens, and he gestures and says, "A little bit of safety is important for the people, don't you think?"
3: The marshal's going to take that that uh, page <laughs> from him, and he's going to toss it into the wind.
1: Yeah, the bugle boy goes to go get it.
3: But suppose I don't necessarily like you rolling into my town peddling your snake oil to my citizens and instead I don't care what is on that letter I don't care what authority you think you have I'm taking you to the
1: jail well <laughs> Marshal. Jefferson Star Marshall Jeff- Jeff- Jefferson Stalker. <laughs> Marshall, Marshall Jefferson star I can assure you that everything you see before you. What we have is- right now is two alphas going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can assure you that what you see before you is not only above board, I can, you can take a look at my books. Hell tomorrow, Marshall. If you, if you would like, Marshall Jefferson Stockley, if you would like to come and join me, I can even show you my operation. Now, I won't share with you the exact ingredients that make their way into my tinctures. It is, of course, a business secret, protected, actually, by U.S. patent law. I could show you my operation and you could be assured you could feel safe. Maybe even take a swig of one of these bottles. Listen here, doctor. I will take
3: you up on your offer to tour how you procure these strange elixirs, as you call them. But as for now, you are to stop peddling your wares, sir, as evening is setting upon and we do not allow outside business here in El Paso once evening
1: comes setting in especially given that it is the time of the wounded night. He again taps his cane on the ground, uh, throws it up a little bit and catches it a little bit lower, holding it high. And he does a, a deep, ornate bow to you, Marshall. Why, sir, seeing as my stock is gone, save for these four bottles still yours if you pay the price. He does another bow now to the group at large. For now, I will take my leave unless angel will in fact
0: buy one bottle
1: all right you give him a buck 50 Mhm. yeah the like you you reach into your do you have like a little closure do you have a like how do you store your money
0: in a pocket
1: in a pocket yeah in
0: her in her skirt where you can't see where the the, the seam is
1: but yeah, it's the there it.
0: yeah but she so she just reaches in real quick pulls it out and purchases.
1: Yeah, the the boy scrambles back from where he'd captured the, the documentation that had been blowing along the dusty road in the wind. And he takes the money, uh, takes the tincture out of the doctor's hands and gives it to you, Angel. One out of four ain't bad. <laughs> well, you all have an excellent evening. Uh, dear Angel, do give that a swig. If you see any specters appear, and I, I promise you safety on... God's greener, (laughs) although not so green these days, right? He, like, throws an elbow generally in Brother Gideon's direction and then turns back to the cart, walks back up those small stairs. The the boy, in a very practiced way, flips up each of the different tables that had folded out for the bottles, takes the soapbox, throws it in the back, and then hops in himself. And the cart, you hear a snap of the reins, and it moves on uh, through town. And that is where we will conclude our day phase. I will uh, conclude that, though, by saying we have now introduced our second threat, Ghost Be Gone, um, which will have its own questions and opportunities. This Uh, is going to
2: make our job so much more difficult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Here are your questions and opportunities to work towards for this threat. Well, I'll list the questions first and then each of their opportunities. So... At a complexity four, you can answer the question, how can the ghost under Dr. Clarkson's control be freed? For a complexity six, what secrets can be used to convince Dr. Clarkson to leave town for good? And for a complexity eight, how can you convince Dr. Clarkson to stop his scheme and work with the committee? Um, If you answer the first question, how can the ghost under Dr. Clarkson's control be freed? Then you can resolve the threat by freeing the ghost and letting it have its revenge. The threat is resolved, but the ghost might be a lingering danger. Um, If you answer the second question, what secrets can be used to convince Dr. Clarkson to leave town for good? you resolve the threat by exposing Dr. Clarkson's secrets to the town, forcing him to pick up his cart and roll out. Uh, Or if you answer, how can you convince Dr. Clarkson to stop his scheme and work with the committee? You resolve the threat by bringing Dr. Clarkson and whatever abilities he has under the control of the committee. And this makes Dr. Clarkson available as a reward Hmm. which you can then use in future threats handling. So just FYI, a new threat on the scene. So into Dusk phase, uh, we have a few things that happens here. First is we're going to resolve any playbook moves or custom moves that are resolved during the Dusk phase so if you have a playbook move that uh, only activates at dusk of course angel has one Uh, we'll get to her does anyone else have
3: one says that I may call an assemblage during the dusk yeah but we didn't set up setting up an assemblage though so
1: no uh, I mean you you still could like dusk is like as the as the last of the light trickles out you could yeah you ring that bell if you want you can ring that bell and meeting immediately type thing people will come
2: You know, that would actually make a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, but uh, assemblages take, like, prep. Like, we would have had to have talked to side characters that we would want to be there and stuff.
1: and I mean, it doesn't take that much prep. Um, Like, again, there theoretically is, like, a bell you could ring. And then, according to your move, you can just kind of decide who you want to be there. They can all have their own reasons for being there instead of because you specifically asked them, you know? So, you ruminate on whether or not you want to call an assemblage tonight. For now, I do want to start with Angel Flynn. What move do you want to invoke here in the desk?
0: Why, the saloon. Because I'm the owner of this here thriving saloon, Mm -hmm. which has a dependable staff. My establishment pours drinks and food and people do like to talk. They sure do. You learned something interesting about an active threat. Ask the keeper any question you like. They will answer you truthfully and completely or in the form of a clue, their choice.
1: Okay. Oh, this is not a roll for it move. You just get this. That's Mm -hmm. fun. What question do you have for me? And about which threat? We now have two on the table.
0: Well, I think we want to try to resolve our first threat.
1: Yeah. So gaining that sixth clue will definitely make your life a little easier.
0: Yeah. You guys have any ideas for a question I could ask?
1: Kicking it around? Kicking it around? What do y'all think?
2: I mean, I've got one. What is it? We already have a theory about what the 17th, the circled date, was. But we could ask the question, when was that wedding supposed to take place?
1: Are you talking about the wedding referred to in the man's second runaway bride article?
2: Yeah. Was
0: that information not in the article?
1: Uh, I think we described it like the picture was grainy and you could sort of make it out. But the the text, like you got the headline, but it was an old newspaper uh, uh, under non-ideal storage conditions. Yeah. A lot of the text okay. was worn away.
0: So we're going to ask that.
1: Yeah. So Marcus Penrose, a gentleman
0: of the evening, will discover what date that wedding uh, was supposed to take place.
1: So here's what I'm going to do for you. The precise answer to that question would be something that you would establish as part of your theory in answering the question uh, as part of your upcoming role if you want to resolve the threat. But what I can grant you is something adjacent to that, if that's what you'd like. I think you asked this question... When was this wedding for this second runaway bride? I think you you have your your man who works for you. Ask patrons who come in for rumors about that event. People talk when libations are being poured. And when
0: they're engaged in, you know, salacious activities.
1: Yeah, c- certain activities which do uh, limbo the lips as well as other parts. So when you arrive back at your establishment, Angel... Mr. Marcus Penrose, he informs you that he asked several people for what they were called about that time. 1866 is still within memory for most people. It's only, you know, 15 years back or so. But at some point during the day while you're out, I think a group of coal miners local to Texas, the El Paso area, they come through your establishment. They spend time with Marcus. And one of them talks about how they hadn't heard of that specific situation before. You know, it's crazy how that happened to them twice. But they do make mention that around that same time, they remember seeing advertisements in the newspaper for a company in Boston touting mail-order brides, Mm. which was fairly popular among some of the other miners, seeing as they had traveled here specifically for work. They didn't know any of the locals, and oftentimes they were working away from the cities anyway. And turns out that's a pretty hard way to secure a girl if you're a minor interested in that. And so this company touting this uh, was something of interest to many of them around that same time. And so your clue, your sixth clue, is an old newspaper ad for a company in Boston touting mail order brides. So pivoting over to the marshal, Marshal Jefferson Stockley, do you wish to call an assemblage this evening?
3: I, Marshal Jefferson Stockley, do hereby call an assemblage regarding the state of affairs of the township of El Paso.
1: Read off, read off the, the key parts. It's a long bit. So
3: assemblage read. regarding the state of affairs of the township of El Paso. Yes, that is the full name of the move. You may call an assemblage during the dusk phase. If you do so, where will it be held? And write down the name of each active thread on the lines below, which I've already done. You may not call another assemblage until those threats are no longer active. So, I can't do this again until both of these threats are concluded. During the dusk phase, which is what we're in, after the assemblage has been called, each other hunter must state if they will be in attendance. I recommend all of us will be. Any hunter in attendance can only take actions related to the assemblage during the upcoming night phase. Additionally, each hunter in attendance, including you, can name a side character who will also be in attendance. That hunter gets advantage on any roles associated with actions related to that side character. The keeper can also have any other side characters they wish attend the assemblage.
1: Excellent. So you're calling an assemblage? Yes. Regarding the the various threats? So who's going to be there? Angel Flynn, will you be attending the assemblage? <laughs> uh, I will say Gwen is nodding uh, because the microphone is far away and there's a cat in between. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a yes.
1: Uh, Brother Gideon.
4: Oh, I've been trying to decide. Bring Brandy. I so want a lone wolf it. In And
1: investigate
4: no. the, uh, <laughs> the cart while everyone's at the assemblage.
1: Brother Gideon, what does your heart say?
4: Brother Gideon has a particular dislike for snake oil salesmen.
1: hmm
2: Can I help, then?
1: Is Lorelai also skipping out on the uh, assemblage?
2: <sighs> See, I could do that. I could either come with you and help w- that way, yeah. or I could go to the assemblage and say that I want Jebediah there. So he will for sure not be at the cart.
4: Yeah, you know what? I think, the, I think Gideon's not going. Okay. I, th- I think he is going to decline.
2: Yeah, you do that. I will be at the assemblage, and I have invited Jebediah. Okay.
1: Of course, Marshall Jefferson Stockley you will be in attendance, as will your deputy, of course. Of course. I, I was
3: going to say the deputy was my side character that was going to be there.
1: But... Deputy Wainwright. Angel, who would you like to bring as your plus one to this?
0: Thalia Morena. She is oh. a she is a broker of secrets, beautiful, long black hair, white blouse and black skirt with a floral pattern.
1: Oh, what is I mean, the, the last names are the same. What is Talia's relationship to Jose? Siblings. Siblings. OK, so Jose's sister, you would like to be in attendance. She's one of my associates. (laughs) She's somebody who you know. Yeah,
0: so she's a broker of secrets.
1: Fascinating. You're bringing your secrets broker with you. I love that for you and for her. That's going to be awesome.
2: I love that for all of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this assemblage will certainly be an interesting one that you've called Marshall Stockley, Marshall Jefferson Stockley. Marshall Jefferson Stockley.
2: It's fun because every time we say the name Marshall Jefferson Stockley, <laughs>
1: Marshall yeah, awesome. Jefferson Stockley, <laughs> Please stop. We can't keep this up forever. Um, <laughs> the show has to get, move on.
3: Oh, we never establish where the assemblage will be held at either. Is there a town meeting hall?
2: It's got to be a town hall,
1: right? Well, there certainly was a town hall. It was destroyed during In the, the last wounded night. During the last we wound had night. six years to rebuild it and we didn't do it. Some scars never heal, Marshall. You would know that best. fuck damn
2: (laughs) you just got red
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I think in honor of that people do still meet there
2: oh I like that Damn, I love that
1: so it's at the wreckage of the old town hall shit so now that we've resolved our playbook moves we've queued up a assemblage for the start of our night phase I have a paint-the-scene question for you all about the Wounded Knight. Uh, This is something that we do every dusk. It's just something to sort of like do a little bit of world building as we move through the game. I was trying to decide on my favorite question to ask, and I think I'm going to go for this one. Your paint-the-scene question is the campfire tales in El Paso. During the season of the wounded night, you'd have to be duller than a bag of hammers to try and tell a ghost story at the fire too real uh, What stories are substituted in for evening entertainment? Hmm. Uh, this is a question for everyone everyone gets to to answer with their own response uh Marshall I think people
3: share family stories of like interesting things that have happened, maybe even with The Wounded Knight happening. They share stories of loved ones they lost in previous Wounded Knights, not like how they died or anything, but Mm -hmm. like just stories and reminiscing because I feel like El Paso has turned the horribleness of the Wounded Knights into also like a remembrance of those that they lost.
2: Keeping the memory alive.
1: Keeping the memory alive bright stories of the one they've lost. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Lorelai.
2: I think that's a lot of like the most raucous periods that's telling, you know, stories about the time you got really beat by grandma because you got into the cookies that were for the special Christmas dinner the next night. Then later in the night, as the fire burns down, you'll find one or two people who are sort of feeling like they're not going to be around for the next Wounded night? who've had maybe one too many close calls, and you find them together trading secrets, trading the quieter stories, the ones they may have forgotten about for years, making sure that someone else knows it.
1: Well, we've started off nice and, nice and dark in our, <laughs> in our setting. Brother Gideon, what stories do people tell?
4: This one's fairly obvious for Brother Gideon. Thank you guys for not taking his asunder because it's homilies and, and uh, brief mm-hmm. sermons from the Bible, scripture readings. Think Jesus driving the demons into the swine, that sort of thing.
1: The ghosts can be driven away if only mm-hmm. the proper scripture is read, or so they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angel how about you they tell
0: romantic stories stories of hope of evils faced and defeated and love found good winning the day over all foes love conquers all
1: so people tell stories of pastimes, of their lives, of each other, stories of faith, stories of love, stories of passion, anything to keep the dark, the terrors, the reality of the wounded knight at bay. We move now from our paint the scene of the wounded knight to what each hunter says that they would like to do during the coming night phase. Oh, actually, before we get to that, I will give you the option um, before before we get to what you say you'll be doing because it will probably depend on this. Would you all like to answer a question? Specifically, uh, you seem to have the most for for the lady in white. Would you like to answer the question for the lady in white? And before we get to that, Lorelai, I owe you something. Do you? You see, earlier. With your bare hand, you touched Dr. Jebediah F. Clarkson, which means that should he survive to the night from the day you touched him, you touched him during the day phase, then that is a clue of some variety. I think he does. I will say that he is protected for whatever reason by the wounded knight. He should die by all rights and means having touched you, but yet he lives. And I will say this is. This is a free clue in that you may apply it to any mystery you would like, to any threat. Interesting. If you can somehow work in the fact that he lives and persists into the Lady in White, you're welcome to use it for that threat. Otherwise, you may use it for his threat. Or if you would like to treat it as a mastermind clue, it could relate to the mastermind threat.
2: Oh, it can relate to him the mastermind stuff as well.
1: Yep. I believe, uh, according to the rules as written, I should tell you what it applies to. But I'm going to say you can use it for any of them. It's a, it's a little little free free clue. Well, thank you. Yeah. As a treat,
2: I appreciate that.
1: As a treat. Uh, so, with that in mind, as well, I a, do like the potential to think I've been good this year. If your <laughs> potential, if your narrative is uh, uh, interesting enough, I suppose to integrate it into your answer to the lady in white, even a, a potential of seven. Would you like to try to answer that question as a group?
0: Yes. I vote yes.
3: Let's answer the question now and then do deassemblage. Yeah. All
1: right. Answer a question is a lot like theorizing Brindlewood Bay. It, literally, the trigger is like when you have a discussion about it, that's the move. And basically, you all are going to give us sort of a core theory. One of you does about what you think might be going on. People can add to it or change it. And then we'll try to apply as many of the clues to it as possible. However many we take off, that's how many you get to roll for as you go into the actual move, as you go into rolling for the move, to answer the question. Does that make sense, roughly? You all, based on the clues you've gathered, assemble a narrative and then you roll for it. That's, that's the gist. Yeah. Does anyone have what they think is like a nugget to start with as we discuss what happened?
0: Well, I was thinking that the night before her wedding, she was murdered, which is why she is considered a runaway bride. Is that the kind of thing you're looking for?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely a starting place. Definitely. So actually, she didn't run away. She was dead. Yeah. Interesting.
2: And I think that the circled date on the calendar is the 17th. I know that's like part of the clue thing, but yeah. specifically because it's the how do we get her to to move on, right? To the, yeah. to the next realm. I think that that was her wedding day and she she never got that wedding, she never got the life that she wanted. Uh and that's why she can't move on.
3: Mm. I have two nuggets to add. All right, Marshall, go for it. I don't I don't know I like murder, but I also <laughs> think where <laughs> I like Murder, Pat Easley, 2022. Yeah, put that on the TOTA soundboard. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Murder, but uh, because Murder is always fun, uh, it's a good, it's good story. But I think where the deputy saw the lady in white matters, so what if she was having, like, wedding jitters And was taking a stroll in the cool night air to clear her head, and she slipped and fell down the same cliff that the marshal fell down, which is why the cart crashed there because they saw the lady in white there.
2: I'm sorry, which marshal was
3: that? What Marshal Jefferson Stock? Okay, (laughs) you're absolutely right, and I apologize. It was the Marshal Jefferson Stockley. I don't know if somebody did murder her and was pushed down that cliff or if it was dark and she lost her footing and fell down the cliff. Either way, I think she died there. So I think the ritual needs whatever ritual we decide needs to happen there. Smart. And I had a second nugget that now I have to think about what it was again.
1: I'll, I'll push back just a little. Is the place where you died necessarily what you, like, does that relate to what you need to accomplish in order to move on?
4: Ooh, ooh, and that, that ties into what I was about to do.
1: What do you got, Gideon? What do, what do you All got? All
4: right. And I think what we have here is a classic unconsecrated grave. That small grave at the farm, it's hers, but it's empty. The uh, remains were never found, huh. whether it was wild animals or buried in a, in a small dirt slide. They never found where she was. So they literally, she just up and vanished. Her corpse was never recovered. And so her remains are unconsecrated and unofficially buried.
0: Mm. And going with the, she was taking a walk and, and Fowler was pushed. It was a foggy night. So it wasn't just dark. The fog had
1: rolled in that night. And so now the fog follows her where she goes. Oh, I love that. What was your other nugget?
3: Well, now I'm reconsidering <laughs> because I found the ring, which I was going to say was obviously her wedding ring, mm-hmm. um, which it has to be because it's a clue to the mystery. But what was it doing in Jose's dead
1: hand? He was gripping onto it. I mean, we know that she was present was when she- this happened. Maybe she left that there. Was he still alive briefly at the bottom of that been. ravine? and? Picked did, he, it up. did he pick it up? Did he grasp it? Did something compel him about it? Do we have like a one ring condition? Mean, I mean, I got a condition for grabbing it. Mm-hmm, so, did.
0: Hmm.
3: So going off of Dave's theory about we need to bury the bones, her bones Her bones are down there and that's how he
1: found the ring down in the ravine. We need to bury the ring. I have an alternative. We need to bury the ring. What if all that's left of her body is the ring? Yeah. Yeah. What if that is her remains?
4: And that's why she's following the ring, or if that yeah, then that's why she's there. Yeah. Because nature does funny things to the bodies left uncovered. Undiscovered. Yeah. Considering
2: this is all that's left of her, you could say that it's one ring to rule her all, one <laughs> ring to bind her.
4: Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. I know, I like that. Well, we'll say it. We'll say it. Okay, I, I think we're on the cusp of a narrative here. Let's start integrating clues. Emma, yeah. you have our master clue list. I let's, have our master let's clue Let's go through list. the order okay. from the top. What's our first clue? Does
2: Brandy Carson count as a clue?
1: No, no, she's just a she, person. She is not a clue. Okay. She's a human. <laughs> I think. Thanks.
2: Thanks for that incredibly sassy reply <laughs> to a legitimate question.
1: Sorry.
3: <laughs> she's a human being and her name is Brandy. Brandy,
1: you're a fine girl. Okay.
2: Uh, there was fog on the foothills road uh, and it wasn't from the river.
1: Yes. I think we've integrated that into the narrative. The fog may be in part responsible for her death that evening. And therefore, it is a, a sign of her power, a, si- a sign of, of why she's lingering.
3: The fog follows her whenever she manifests because it was attached to
1: her death. So it's attached to her spirit. She's recreating the time of her passing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: She's stuck in that moment in time.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what's the second clue?
2: The second clue, uh, a small grave in an unusual place.
1: We've integrated that definitely and brother Gideon now when I said that like it's smaller and like it was over by where the roots of the tree are. So like it's not like a proper like you don't you can't really dig there. The fact that there's no body makes it easy. It's a placeholder
3: grave. It's literally just a tombstone and that's it. Yeah. Love that. Um,
2: Newspaper clipping uh, from 1866 man's second runaway bride. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, in this case, she died. Oof.
2: Yep. But, I mean, uh, we're dealing with
1: a ghost. So. And, and so, integrating specifically with the, the question, how can we get the lady in white to pass on, it sounds to me like we have a combination of creating a wedding ceremony of some sort and also of putting her what's left of her body, the ring to rest once and for all. Is that sort of in line with what you all were thinking for this ritual? So
0: perhaps not a wedding ceremony, but perhaps uh-huh. the truth coming out. Because she was never found. Everyone believed that she had run away when in fact she had died and never been been found.
3: So it's a clearing of her name situation. her her, her soul is not at rest because the world thinks that she ran out on uh, her husband-to-be when really she met with a terrible accident and she's desperately trying to clear her name.
2: Guys, I have the scene for the, the quieting ceremony. I know, how, I know how it should happen.
1: Can you
3: share that with the class?
2: Yes. Uh, but I didn't know if you wanted that now or if you wanted me to hold it. So I wanted to wait.
1: Well, the, the scene, everyone's like, it sounds like at least three people are going to be there for. So, right.
2: um, Somebody should like stand where the groom would be standing. And I will walk her down the aisle. Walk her spirit down the aisle. But we'll just keep walking. As I walk her into the.
1: Into the afterlife. Into
2: the afterlife.
1: Well, someone will bear the ring. Someone someone will bring the ring forward. Mm -hmm. And then... or the ring comes after, right?
2: The ring does usually come after she stands there. Wait,
1: Marshall, is this assemblage? Is you officiating? Uh, No, obviously the brother will officiate. Oh, fuck, of course you're right. I'm sorry, Uh, I apologize.
2: Do you want to be the ring
0: bearer? The the brother isn't there. Yeah, brother's not there.
3: He's he's off
4: doing his own thing. Oh, right. Well, now this this would alter what, what Brother Gideon does, because he has to be there for this. Okay. If we, because this is a coming together, everyone, putting our, yeah. our heads together and our own clues, then he would definitely do this first instead of going to investigate the trailer, which means if, that he... If you, okay. if you attend the assemblage, then that's your evening. You won't get to yeah. investigate the trailer tonight. Exactly. But if, we're, if the assemblage is laying the spirit to rest, he's going to be there.
1: Okay.
2: Cool.
4: Yeah, and then as such, his plus one, His mechanical plus one is particularly fun. Uh, It's Brandy. As far as we know, the last person surviving related to this uh, no longer runaway bride.
3: So we're establishing that she was a Carson. Because she has to be. She has a plot at the Carson homestead. Or was about to be married into the family. Yeah, I think. Or
1: was about to be married to the Carson. I think she was going to be married into the Carsons and was plagued by their luck.
2: Brandy could stand on her side.
1: Well, wait a minute.
3: Wait a minute. Yeah? If if the lady in white was going to marry into the Carsons, should Brandy stand in as the groom? As being a Carson? Oh, I like it. Oh, I like it a lot.
1: Loving that. That's so good.
2: I feel like that works really well with her grave being at the bottom of the roots of the tree. And
1: Brandy was specifically tending to the graves, trying to... Trying to move the family on from yeah. all of its nastiness.
2: Yeah, this is good. I like this.
1: Brandy has to
3: put the ring on the lady in white. But then it's yeah
0: okay. So, so Brandy puts the ring on the lady in white. Then she moves on, and the ring drops. So yeah, that bury
3: it,
1: so, and then so we that buried. it can
0: bury it. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I love this quieting ceremony. I think we've, we're there. Let's just go through the clues, make sure we've kicked everything off.
2: Okay. Uh, ring with Pearl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ticked. 17th circled date. We're yeah. ticked off. Yeah. It's the wedding, probably.
1: Yeah. Um, also it
3: also day. happens day. to be the 17th. Yeah, it sure does. Oh, good. You're damn right it does.
2: That's why we had to solve it tonight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it is the 17th, of course. Has to be. What else do we have to tick off? That's it. Uh, there's a new clue we just got.
2: There's the new clue we just got. The um, uh, mail Boston order bride. mail order bride. How does that tie in? Well,
1: was she a mail order bride? She was.
0: Yeah.
2: She was totally a mail order bride. She
4: was absolutely the mail order br- the mail order
0: bride
1: that's, the bed.
2: <laughs> and that's why nobody noticed that she was gone as well.
1: Yeah. Nobody knew where she would have gone. Nobody knew her. And this is fucking sad. <laughs> Welcome to the between, everybody. That's this game. I'm just going to
3: quick check in. Is everyone okay? Is everyone happy with this? Are
4: we good? Are we,
3: are we okay? Is anyone uncomfortable? Is this triggering to anyone? Oh, I'm hella comfy. Oh, are you kidding? I love a good ghost story. I no, got a little bit of goosebumps going, but I'm all right. This is more or less this kind of
0: story I had in mind from the beginning.
3: She was having pre-wedding jitters because she's a mail-order bride and so she was second guessing if she wanted to go through with this that's why she was taking the night walk in the cool
1: air to clear her head and and of course like this was the second runaway bride because the previous runaway bride like the carson family has bad luck and like that came out and and maybe this was even like a sign of that bad luck they're like oh she
2: she ran away i think she did legitimately run away
1: yeah i think so too. Love that. Let's let's do it. Who wants who wants the curse, the blessing, the power of rolling the dice for this answer a question?
3: I've been rolling low all game. It's not going to be me. Not
0: Gideon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> David just raised dice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is there
3: no, there isn't a certain ability score that we roll with it. It's 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 the, the roll plus the clues that we used. Do we have a yeah. Th-
2: we have a zero, yeah?
3: Yeah.
4: It's it's dice plus clues used minus uh complexity. But you, you have six total clues, which is six minus six. So this is a straight up die roll. This is a straight roll. Which means the worst that happens is that we all take a Yannis mask to make ourselves correct, but Yep.
2: I did uh I did roll out all of my ones earlier, so I could roll if you would like. I'm okay with our inevitable rolling
0: the
1: die. I mean, this is a ghost quieting. I feel it appropriate that death roll it.
2: Or are we rolling the ghost quieting right now? Is that what's happening? Well,
1: no, this is answering the question. Okay. We're basically saying, did this story we just put together, is this correct? Yes. Is this the way to do this? Did that good die say it's more? Yep. i shaking right under the... Under Come on, mama needs a new pair of shoes.
2: Mama do need to new, new parachutes. That's
1: true. Cora keeps eating them.
3: Oh no, <laughs> Emma! No.
2: Turns out it's not that I rolled the ones out. Uh, oh no!
3: <laughs> Did you get snake eyes? Almost. No, but she got three.
2: I got three total.
3: A one plus two. If I understand
4: correctly, here. Uh, yes. I think I think now the gamekeeper tells us. What happens if we're wrong and then we can do the mask or do we do the mask first?
1: So generally speaking, on a roll, I would narrate what happens and then you would decide whether or not to use the masks. In this case, on a six minus, the answer is incorrect and the keeper reacts based on where we're answering the question. That means I would react, unfortunately, a a little ways from now. We would have to kick off the whole assemblage and really get into that before that happened. So what I will say, what I can give you ahead of deciding whether or not to spend Janus masks on this, your answer will be incorrect. The lady in white will appear and she will not be happy. You will learn more about her and what she is capable of. Should you decide this is not the solution? Should we roll with that three on the dice? Alternatively, you may all apply a mask and we will bump it up to a seven to nine. Which means that there will be an unwelcome complication, and/or the opportunity will be more dangerous. Um, Just for full disclosure, I'll probably opt for more of the second because I think I really like the solution you presented, but it'll just end up being a bit more dangerous.
4: Yeah, if we can, if we can actually uh, all afford the mask, and I think we can, and are willing, I I personally vote that we all put on a mask. Uh,
1: I will also say there is the option of the mask of loneliness, which is specifically tied. To this threat.
3: What okay. does the mask of loneliness entail, though?
1: So for the mask of lonesomeness, each hunter narrates a flashback to a time they felt truly alone. And I cannot remember the ruling on this one, whether or not everyone can use if there's a pool of this or if it's a shared resource. Um I would say, for the sake of the podcast moving on, mm-hmm. uh, and because I think it's narratively interesting. I would let you all put on the mask of loneliness, answer that prompt, and I would treat that as enough to bump it up.
3: Let's do it. I like Does that. that sound good? That's my vote. Let's be spicy. I already have something in mind for when I felt truly really lonely. So
1: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, uh, you all decided to all put on the mask of lonesomeness, and each of you must narrate a flashback to a time you felt truly alone. And... I'm going to frame this as the assemblage was called during the dusk. Marshall, you went around and talked to everyone who you were specifically inviting, the fellow hunters, and who they were inviting. You explained what you wanted to talk about. You wanted to resolve this issue with the lady in white. And after all the dust settles from all of that haggling and talking and and all of that stuff, when you all are actually coming to this site of where the town hall once stood coming together for the assemblage when each of you are on your way I think this is what each of you happens to be reflecting on as you approach this is when the mask of lonesomeness comes into the narrative each hunter please narrate a flashback to a time you felt truly alone the marshals flashback is a uh...
3: Not very long ago in the past, I'd say roughly, I don't know, six years ago, back to the previous wounded night, he had been in town staying with his uncle, the former marshal, after he had evaded the law due to his past life, due to his many, many crimes the old marshal was the only friend that he had in the world left and when the old marshal perished in the previous wounded night it was just Marshal Jefferson Stockley left you would think that that would be enough of a trigger to truly feel alone but Briefly after, the town needed to fill the role of Marshal, and they chose Marshal Jefferson Stockley to fill the role. And that is when he truly felt alone. He felt like a stranger in his own skin. He didn't understand why he was selected to be the new Marshal, other than the fact that, his uncle was the previous one and he felt just utter sheer loneliness from taking on this new role that he didn't feel like he had the right to and he had no one to talk to to help guide him through it anymore just a sheer utter loneliness of having to take on such a big role that he did not feel equipped for
0: Angel flashes back to a time when she was shivering in a storm drain or some other small tunnel. It was dark and raining. Her clothes were drenched and she she was just curled up and and, and crying and there was not another soul to be seen.
4: Gideon remembers a letter he wrote. What's that? 20 years ago or so? Give or take. April 10th. The year of our Lord, 1862. I have arrived here in Shiloh, Tennessee. And I did not expect it to be like this. I was supposed to pastor of a small church here and when I got the offer I thought, that means the place of peace. What a lovely place to run a sermon. Three or four days ago there was a battle here. A horrible battle. Thousands dead or injured. Some gone. Who knows where those men went. They tell me the sounds of the injured men were the worst part. I hear some of them now. There were so many injured that they're not all gone yet, but I offer what sucker as I may. Everyone has this look in their eyes, like they just walked through hell. Increasingly, when I look in the mirror, I see the same look in my eyes. The devil's own day at the place of peace. I cannot pass to here now. I'll be heading over to Maryland next opportunity I get. Things are rough there too. I hope that we will never see a day so awful as this. To be surrounded by my compatriots. And be so completely alone. Gideon Lovelace.
2: They say everyone goes into death alone. But usually when they say that, they forget about death. Lorelai, in quotations, has walked every soul off of this earth. Since so far back, they can't possibly keep track of it all now. It's all repetitive and similar enough that the walks all seem to be the same after a while on the way taking them it's usually a nice chat actually a lot of the people who die are a little bit older they've either been expecting death or if they've seen enough of it that while they might be scared at first they warm up pretty quickly it's usually the walk back where it starts to get pretty lonely. There's only so many times you can hear about a life full of love and kindness and joy in equal parts with the sadness and the loss before You start wondering what that must be like and knowing you'll never know it for yourself.
1: all are fucking me up tonight.
2: <laughs> Sorry.
1: Uh, also, FYI, 19th century, 1800s, uh, the average life expectancy was 32 years old. That is a lot of infant mortality. 20, 28 to 32. But that's because of all the gun violence. But, but the
3: <laughs> Civil War help. did not help. Yeah, Yeah. Civil War did not help.